Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us is the Old Testament lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, whether it is a sleep number bed or perhaps a massage or perhaps a pair of old, soft, loose-fitting jeans or perhaps an old, cushy recliner at home, we have a lot of things in life that can make us comfortable. At this time of the year, we even have comfort food that we eat when it's cold outside and when it's dark for seemingly 14 hours in a day. All of these things and many more bring us a temporary physical comfort. In other words, they make us feel better, for a while at least. But God this morning has a much greater and a much deeper comfort for you. It is not a physical comfort, but a spiritual comfort. And it is not a temporary comfort, but like his word, it endures forever. In our Old Testament lesson for today, at the time of Isaiah and beyond, God's people certainly needed comfort. God, through the prophet Isaiah, had already warned his people about what was going to happen in the future. Because of their cold relationship with God, because of their worshiping of all the false gods around them, because of their unrepentant sin against God and against their neighbor, God was going to bring judgment down upon his people using the nations of Assyria and Babylon. And as with all of God's promises and predictions, these came true. In 722 B.C., God raised up the nation of Assyria and completely flattened and destroyed the northern kingdom. In fact, the northern kingdom was never heard of again as a kingdom and then, less than a century and a half later, God raised up the nation of Babylon and brought judgment upon the southern kingdom. Indeed, after a brutal 30-month siege of Jerusalem, Jerusalem itself fell, and with it, all of Judea in 586 B.C., Lying in shambles was Jerusalem. The temple was destroyed all the way to the ground. And many of God's people were carted off into captivity in Babylon, especially some of the brightest and the best were carted off into captivity in Babylon. And there in Babylon, they would wait for the Lord. But imagine what they must have been thinking. What is the future? of our relationship with God? Or even is there any future in our relationship with God? Has God simply abandoned us here in Babylon? Well, it's in this context that God's word comes to his people in our Old Testament lesson for today. And just look at that wonderfully comforting message God has for his people. It begins comfort comfort. Notice the repetition for emphasis. God fervently wants them to know 
how much he wants them to be at peace in their heart and their mind. He says, referring to them not as those people or that people, but my people. The people he chose long ago and the people that he still chooses in our Old Testament lesson for today. He says, speak tenderly to them, not with anger or wrath as their sins would deserve. And he tells the herald to proclaim three basic messages to his people. First, that their warfare is ended. No longer will they be ravaged by the foreign nations around them. Second, that their iniquity is pardoned. Could better be translated, their iniquity is paid for or is atoned for. And third and finally, that they have received from the hand of the Lord double for their sins. Now that is not to be interpreted, that they've received double punishment for their sins. In fact, just the opposite. That in comparison to their sins, they have received double blessings from God. In other words, if their sins were five on a scale, their blessings would be ten on a scale. What a wonderful message of comfort to God's people in that situation. And while those words were initially addressed to God's people back in the time of Isaiah, these words are indeed a message for God's people of all time, including us as we are gathered here this morning. God wants us to be comforted, in fact, doubly comforted, because our warfare is over. Oh, not warfare in a military sense with tanks and guns and bombs, but the ultimate warfare against sin, death, and Satan. That war has already been won by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, certainly Satan is at work every minute of every day, but the ultimate war has already been won for us, and that victory is given to us by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Indeed, also, our iniquity has been pardoned, or has been atoned for, has been paid for, not with gold or silver, but with Christ's holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And we, too, have received from the Lord's hand double for all of our sins. Again, double blessings in relation to our many sins. What a message of comfort this is for us here today as well. But then, in verse 6, it seems that the prophet Isaiah is embarking on a major highway building program. For he writes, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a highway for the Lord in the desert. All the high places have to be brought low. All the low places have to be brought up. All the rough places have to be smoothed out. And all the crooked ways have to be made straight. Following a custom in that time, for a visiting dignitary or conqueror who is coming to visit, that a straight and level road 
would actually be constructed for that person to make their entrance. Now indeed, in one sense, God prepared a highway himself. He prepared a roadway himself for his own people to return from Babylon, from their captivity in 538 BC, to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild Jerusalem, and to rebuild the temple. The other nations at that time must have marveled and wondered at God's people, wondering how could such an insignificant people actually survive in the midst of superpowers like Babylon and Egypt and Persia. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all cite the coming of John the Baptist as the fulfillment of this prophecy, as we saw in our gospel lesson for today. John the Baptist out there in the wilderness preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, calling upon people to repent of their sin and offering a baptism of repentance as well. For one was coming after him who was far greater than him, the thorn of whose sandal he is not worthy to stoop down and untie. And likewise, in Advent for us, we too prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. Or more correctly stated, God prepares our way for the coming of the Lord. God moving us to repent from our sins that so easily entice us and entangle us and can even control us at times. Moving us to move away and turn away from the gods of this world that can be so very appealing as they were to God's people in the Old Testament and turn toward the one who is coming, the one whose birth we will celebrate in just two weeks from now, the one who comes to us presently in word and sacrament, and the one who will come on the last day in all triumph and majesty and glory. And then Isaiah says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. The fulfillment of that prophecy we find in the first chapter of John, John 1 verse 14, where John writes that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of this all-powerful, all-knowing, holy God is not seen only in his power or his knowledge or his holiness, but is seen also in his humility, that he would in all humility be born of a woman, live here amongst us, and ultimately offer himself totally for each and every one of us. If you want to see the glory of this God revealed, look no further than a hill called Golgotha outside the city of Jerusalem and see there your Savior and see him bow his head and die for you. How comforting 
that God loves us to that extent that he would offer himself in our place. There is at least one other comforting aspect of our text for today, and that is the comparison Isaiah makes between the temporary and transitory things of this world and the constancy of God. Isaiah writes, the grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God will stand forever. Unlike everything around us that is so temporary, our God is permanent. And unlike everything around us that changes so quickly we can hardly keep up with it, our God and his word are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that is great comfort for us as we stand beside the casket of a loved one in a cemetery, as we've done quite frequently lately here at St. Paul's. That is comfort for us as we think about our own life and our own death yet to come. That is comfort for us as we look forward with great anticipation to the return of Christ when once again the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it. Comfort, comfort, says your God to you this morning. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.